As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Born in the Rockies, Coors Light is lagered cold for a crisp, clean taste. Filtered cold to ensure clarity and brightness. And packaged cold for peak refreshment. Because those who thirst for more deserve the world's most refreshing beer. Welcome into the Bulls Talk podcast presented by Coors Light. I'm Mark Shanowski, and it's my privilege to welcome in my good friend Jordan Cornett, the former Notre Dame basketball star who does great work as a college basketball analyst for ESPN. Jordan, thanks for joining us. I know you've got some new things in the works. Tell us about what's uh, going on with your career. Well, I'm close to signing a lifetime deal of my own here in the offseason. Picking up a a wife, my better half at St. Pepper. We're getting married on June 1st. Uh, so it's a real exciting time for us. Yeah, congratulations on that. You, you and Shay are great people, and we're really happy for you. Wish you all the best. Thank you very much, man. It's definitely an exciting time. And with what's ahead career-wise, some things that I, I have been able to share and some other things that I'll be able to announce here in the very near future. But jumping on and working radio with Sarah Spain will be an exciting thing. I'm doing um, some WNBA with the Chicago Sky. And then I have another sizable announcement career-wise. Hopefully I'll be able to make public here in the next week or so. Well, we'll look forward to hearing all about that. And the show you're going to be doing with Sarah, that's a national uh, ESPN radio show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And Sarah's so incredibly talented. And we've got a chance to work together a few times and found a good chemistry. So I'm excited to explore that on a more consistent basis. It'll be a lot of fun. And you'll still be working with Cap uh, on mornings and Cap and Company? Yeah, absolutely. Cap can't shake me for the uh, for the uh, meantime for right now. So, you know, being able to latch on with him has really uh, been a launch pin in a lot of ways for my career. Forever thankful to him for that. And yeah, we get to continue to work together here for a little bit. So I'm excited about that as well. Well, Jordan, you're a great guy. We're really happy for all the success that you're having in your career. And again, uh, congratulations. Hope you have beautiful weather and a, and a great wedding for you and Shay coming up. Let's uh, let's jump into the Bulls. This is the Bulls Talk podcast, and I'm sure you were watching like the rest of us on lottery night. As, as you probably know, we were doing a live show over at Public House, and you talking about going from a, a loud, excited crowd to nothing in a heartbeat uh, when the Bulls uh, logo came up at 7. It really put, deflated everyone's hopes because had they gotten one or two, I think that really could have accelerated this rebuild. How much is it going to hurt them, do you think, Jordan, to drop from one or two or four to all the way down to seven? Well, I think, you know, and I've talked about this time and time again, when you look at certain franchises and look at the ones that have thrust themselves back into relevance, like the Milwaukee Bucks team, you got to get lucky. And it starts by getting that pillar of luck, so to speak, that really translates and becomes a megastar. For Milwaukee, it's Giannis. This guy grew into a megastar. They were able to build a system around him, and they're playing for an opportunity uh, to win a championship this year. The Bulls whether it be because of poor decisions from front office, I'm sure you can point to those, and those make complete sense, but they're in a position where they needed some luck. It's not going to be provided with free agency. It, the chance was going to be in the draft. 
and the chance for it to happen in the draft was most likely, and the best percentage was going to be at number one with Zion or number two with John in this draft. They did not get that opportunity, so they're going to have to be more dynamic in their approach to this rebuild, and it's not going to come as easy as everybody would have hoped. Well, Jordan, you do a lot of college basketball work. You've called games all around the country. I know you've seen the Duke Blue Devils, and the opinions on Cam Reddish are all over the board. I mean, he came into this season as a top, likely top three pick in the NBA draft, and he just didn't shoot it well at all. I believe 36% from the field, 33% from the college three-point line. But yet, a lot of scouts are intrigued by this guy. I saw uh, a tweet from Mike Schmitz of ESPN yesterday saying that there was a workout put on by the Octagon Agency and, and Cam Reddish looked far and away the best player on the floor. Do you think that if the Bulls would take him at seven, that could turn out to be a really good value pick for them? Yeah, you know, I, I've been hearing those same things, Mark, and I, I know people that have been around him during his workouts. I know what I saw during the, the college basketball season, and it's mixed back when you talk about a guy like Cam Reddish. A lot of hype coming into Duke, uh, a belief that this guy was a, a blue-chip kid that would be uh, a nice draft prospect, would find his way into the top five. He's kind of flirting with that. But what I saw when I did a few Duke games and saw him up close and personal, I saw a guy who's got a beautiful stroke, who's got a beautiful athletic NBA body, but couldn't quite get in where he could fit in. Now, I call it a mixed bag because in one side of it, you can look and say, man, it's got to be tough to find your footing with megastars like Zion and a guy like RJ who's ball dominant. That could be hard for you to find ways to be successful. But then the other side of me, as I was calling those games, wondered, hey, man, if Cam Reddish isn't going to find a high percentage stroke and find ways to score the basketball alongside guys that command that kind of defensive attention, then when are you ever going to be productive? And that was something that had me concerned when looking at Cam. Now, this is a guy that has an incredibly high upside. He's so young. He can be molded. I think when he gets away from worrying about playing Robin to an RJ or a Zion, it can be beneficial to him. He's the type of guy you look at and say right away, you hone that stroke, He's a 3-and-D guy, and then he can begin to attack closeouts, become a driver, and find real success at the next level. All that being said, I think there's other prospects that are more alluring to me than Cam Reddish at the number 7 slot. You know, a lot of people were penciling in Kobe White as the likely pick for the Bulls at 7 because they figured he'd be the best point guard on the board. But our friend Casey Johnson of the Trib reported that Kobe White left the combine early because he got a promise from a team that's believed to be picking ahead of the Bulls, which most likely would be Phoenix at six since they're in desperate need of a point guard. If John Morant, Darius Garland, Kobe White are all off the board, I, I think the Bulls need to take a chance at seven because, you know, you could make a safe pick like a DeAndre Hunter or a Rui Hachimura, but I think at this point they're going to be bringing in a guy who's most likely going to be a bench player I think you got to go on upside. How do you feel about that? Well, I, 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 if that's going to happen, Mark, then I would believe, and Kobe White was the one I said immediately, immediately when I saw the Bulls were getting seven, I said, okay, if they're getting seven, it's not the splash that's going to give you that jolt in your franchise like Zion Wood or Ja Wood, but it can give you a boost, and that would be Kobe White. But with all that's developed and the belief that Kobe's been promised a team above the Bulls, then, yeah, you do have to think a different one. It would also open up if you believe that Darius then goes to L.A. and Phoenix ends up taking our guy there, Kobe White. That would open up in a lot of ways, potentially Jared Culver, a guy who is a Swiss Army knife, checks a lot of boxes, not the kind of boxes that Zion checks, but can do a lot of things. And what's most alluring about a guy like Jared Culver out of Texas Tech, the run they went on, he got thrust into the role of being go-to guy, the number one option. 
and he was able to adjust and achieve that. So he showed that he can grow immensely in such a short amount of time, an incredibly young, valuable prospect. But here's what the Bulls are then tasked with. If it's not going to be Darius Garland and it's not going to be Colby White, you're not getting your point guard in this draft. So then those conversations of the Terry Rozier's, the Mike Conley's, uh, I cringe as I think Alonzo Ball, you have to make sure that you're going to achieve that point guard in free agency if you're not going to get in the draft. And if that's the case, then I would probably push all into a guy like Keldon Johnson or Jared Culver. Keldon Johnson being the go-to score perimeter player with great length out of Kentucky. You know, there's been a lot of talk about guys that came into the college season with a lot of fanfare and really didn't do all that much. I'm thinking about guys like Nasir Little at North Carolina who never started. He was projected to be potentially a top-five pick at the start of the college season. And then there's a, a young guy from Kevin Porter, Kevin Porter Jr. from USC, who looks the part. The guy's, you know, really strong upper body, you know, good athlete, can jump out of the gym. But he had injuries. He was suspended for a time because of personal conduct issues. Do you roll the dice on a guy like either one of those two, or is it too high to do that at number seven? Too high to, and too much to risk there. Look, it is definitely without question a top-heavy draft. But what I want with this Bulls team is constant professionals. I want to get older through free agency. I want to get veterans like maybe even a Taj Gibson. And that's why I love him, Mike Conley, because he checks off the point guard box. Yeah, he's older. And it's a high price tag, so it's not necessarily ideal, but he would give you that steady point guard and he'd give you a veteran. Now, I do think there's point guards to take ahead of him, but I digress. Going back to this draft, you keep talking about upside markets. You're starting to get me in the mode of thinking, hey, you know, Mark might be on to something. If you want to go upside and you want to try and go for that guy that is, is not a, a household name but could really blow up, I've looked no further than a guy that's projected to, to get drafted low in the first round, and that's Lugans Dort out of Arizona State. I'd be shocked if he shoots up that high, but he's got a ridiculous build. He's an uber-strong, compact guard at 6'4", 6'5", can do a lot of different things, finish at the rim, explosive, needs to work on his three-point shot, can be a lockdown defender, needs to learn the game a little bit more raw in some areas, a Canadian-born guy that is just, uh, something to see with the, the, the physical specimen that he is. Uh, that's a route you could go. Admiral Schofield proved to his, what he's capable of doing out of Tennessee. He's a knockdown shooter. He can be a 3-and-D guy, but he can also bully you on the backboard, good defender, changes ends well. And then there's always a steady pick if you want to improve shooting like the Bulls need to with how poorly they shot it last year with a guy like Tyler Hero out of Kentucky. Good size, great shooter, highly confident young man. I mean, there's some options there that give you that flexibility to achieve. It just depends on what the Bulls are looking to do. Is it the splash you talk about, swing for the fences, Mark? Is it improved shooting? Is it go safe with a 3 and D guy? There's a lot of different options out there. Yeah, I think the, uh, the later part of the lottery is going to be fascinating, Jordan, because you've got all these teams – you know, that, that didn't miss the playoffs by much, you know, thinking about Miami and Charlotte and Washington. And those teams are going to be looking, you know, should we fill a specific need or should we try to really take a risk on somebody who could be good down the road? Look at Boston at 14. They have three first-round picks. They could be the team that rolls the dice on Bowl Bowl 
because yeah. you know he's got that foot injury that Joe Allen Bede had that cost him two seasons in the NBA. But Ball is a tremendous three-point shooter for a kid who's seven-two. I mean, he may end up going in the first round when, in in past years, teams would say because of the foot injury, I'm not going to touch him. And there's a guy that I don't know much. It's European center Golga Vitadze that the, the draft Knicks are all in love with now. You got the kid from France, Sekou Dumboye. I mean, there, this could be crazy to see some one of these guys pop up in the top ten and all of a sudden make. Uh, guys available that you thought were going to be long gone by the time we get to the middle of the first round. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point, Mark, as I was kind of going through those roles of the dice type players like a Lugan Stork. Bull Bull has to be at the top of that list. I mean, keep in mind, you talk about a knockdown shooter. The percentages out being a short sample size of play this past year prior to the injury was a highly skilled guy, just incredibly fragile. And it's seven when you need to improve your roster. You need to get better. You're, you're up against the clock in a lot of ways. I just don't know if going with a guy who you're not sure is going to be able to play 82 games in a season is the way to go. There is some other reaches, though. There's guys like Romeo Lankford out of Indiana. A huge splash signing to Indiana, but it was chaos and turbulent times for Indiana throughout the season down in Bloomington. And I think he took a direct hit with the kind of talent he may or may not be. Romeo Langford could be one of those guys that just it didn't work in college. The NBA spacing, the tempo, the style of play could really benefit a guy like that. He's the roll of the dice guy that they have and still within that lottery Then maybe the Bulls decide to move on. How about Cameron Johnson out of, out of right. North Carolina? Great size, high IQ player, uh, does a little bit of everything, but a knockdown shooter with size, 6'8", and can defend. That's got to be something that's intriguing to the Bulls as well. It's just so wide open, Mark, once you get past six and seven. I mean, you can look at these mock drafts, and Rui Hachimura, one of the best players in college basketball out of Gonzaga, could be in one mock draft at 28, or it could be as high as 10. That's how across the board it is once you get outside of that one through six, seven slots. Yeah, I've seen P.J. Washington at the back end of the lottery. I've seen him in the 20s. I mean, you know, that's another guy who kind of reminds me of Taj Gibson. You know, he's got that uh, good baseline jumper, but he's strong inside and can play some defense. But I think he's going to end up going a little bit higher when we get to draft night. But, you know, some of the guys that you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Lugens Dort, uh, you know, that he, Admiral Schofield, those guys – could get pushed into the start of the second round. Remember, the Bulls have a pick at 38 that they got from Memphis in the Justin Holiday trade. They may really find a guy that they like at 38. I know the jokes uh, continue about the Jordan Bell thing selling off the pick, but it seems like you know they're going to make that pick this year, and they may get a guy that slides for whatever reason that, that could be a guy that makes their roster and ends up being a contributor. Yeah, no question. I guess the best way for me to compartmentalize fans emotions for the Bulls as they watch draft night unravel is it'll be a compounded nightmare if Darius Garland and Kobe White are both off the board by the time it reaches seven. That was your dangling consolation. That was life post no Zion, no RJ, no job. It was at least you'll address the point guard with a talented player that can come in and have an immediate impact. Not the impact of those mega talents, but an impact. If you're devoid of that as well, man, it's going to make it really tough for these Bulls to accelerate the rebuild in the manner and fashion they had hoped to. Because I just don't know if Jared Culver provides that. I just don't know if Cameron Johnson provides that. A Rui Hachimura, a Romeo Lightford, a Jackson Hayes, a Kelton Johnson, or whatever way you go. 
Yeah, to me, it looks like right now, if the draft speculation from the combine is accurate, with Darius Garland going to the Lakers at four, Kobe White going to Phoenix at six, that means the draft is kind of revolve on what Cleveland does at five, and they probably need a wing to go along with Colin Sexton and Kevin Love. So they, they might take Reddish at five, they might take Jarrett Culver, they might take DeAndre Hunter, which means two of those three will be available to the Bulls at seven. Let's say they take Culver. If Culver's off the board, if White is and Garland are off the board, if you're the GM of the Bulls, who are you taking at seven? I go DeAndre Hunter, and I know it's going to drive people crazy. Another guy who's been cultivated throughout college, well-coached program. Well, what has that done for the Bulls? All I can tell you is when you remove all those guys that you have, Mark, I look at a guy like DeAndre Hunter and say he can guard a lot of different spots on the floor. He's a very versatile piece. He can get down and get busy in the trenches good on the backboard, and he can knock down the open shot all the way out to the NBA three-point line. He's pretty good in space as a one-on-one guy. He can improve as that one-on-one option, go-to score, but he's improved vastly over his time at Virginia. He's a guy I watch closely. He's a, he works hard at his craft. He's a consummate professional, and he's a guy that can give you great minutes out of the gate. Again, you're just going to have to, Bulls fans out there, Rid yourselves of the infatuation of a guy that accelerates his rebuild and has a Zion-like, Ja-like, or R.J. Barrett-like impact. You do not have that. The only way you can get close to that is a Kobe White at the point guard position or Darius Garland. Outside of that, you're adding another piece, but you need to do stuff in free agency, and you still put yourself a few more years out from getting to where you want to be. So if the Bulls don't get that point guard in the draft, they're going to have to look to free agency. And I know we talked about it just a little bit. Uh, would you be in favor of them trying to make a, a over-market value offer sheet to either Malcolm Brogdon or Terry Rozier with the hopes of stealing one of those players away from a team from a playoff team that may have some cap issues down the road? Yeah, I, if I'm looking at the two, and, and look, it, it's, it's a gamble when you look at Terry Rozier. Who are you going to get? Playoff Terry Rozier from two seasons ago? Yeah, scary Terry who, that uh, had that great series two years ago when Kyrie was out. Yeah, exactly, Mark. Are you going to get the guy who last year was moping because he didn't like the scenario, didn't like playing with Kyrie, and mailed it in? I, if I'm choosing between the two, I love Malcolm Brogdon as well. I just don't think he can run the team with what the Bulls have. And I, maybe it's just a flash. Maybe it's what I saw from Terry Rozier two seasons ago and hope you put him in the right spot and he can give that to you for a full season. Malcolm Brogdon is the safer pick, but I think when you talk about upside, potential big payoff, you could get that from Terry Rozier. But if you're looking for stability, I get it, and that's probably the name of the game. Malcolm Brogdon is the safer pick of the two. But if you're looking for impact, a positive two years ago Terry Rozier is more likely to give you that impact. Thing is, though, Jordan, if you run it to have a realistic chance to steal one of those guys away, you'd have to use almost every dollar of your $20 million in yeah, cap space. And neither you one of those guys is even close to worth that, right? No, it's really not. But then again, it's, it's the demand. I mean, what are the Bulls most in need of? Was Otto Porter overpaid? Some could argue that, too, but that's what the market called for. It ended up actually being a reasonable thing for the Bulls. But when you look at the fact that they can't get a point guard in this draft, they're going to have to get one in free agency. And Patrick Beverly, who people are screaming for because of how great he competed against Kevin Durant, he ain't a point guard. He's an off guard. And so that's something to think about as, as you maneuver through this. Lonzo Ball can't knock, knock down, a, couldn't throw the ball in the ocean. I mean, he's not a shooter. He's a great defensive player. He's good in transition. He's a pass-first guy. 
nothing is going to be the complete solution. The closest thing to it at the point guard position is the hope that Garland and White are there, and unfortunately it doesn't sound like that's the case. Where do you stand on the whole bring Derek back uh, argument? I know your partner, Ka uh, David Kaplan, is dead set against it. A lot of people feel like it would be trying to relive the past and bringing back all the drama and controversy. Derek had a fantastic year last year for the Timberwolves, but he did miss a lot of games again because of a series of nagging injuries. Do uh, you think that would be uh, trying to reach into the past with, uh, with little chance of success, or do you think Derek could really offer something if you brought him back? I think I've been, I've been big on the Bring Derek Back campaign, but I'd also have to admit it may be emotion getting in front of me there. Seeing that he's gotten back to playing high-level basketball, man, that, that tickles a good part of me that gets me excited about maybe a guy like that coming back. But then you talk about the injuries, and man, how combustible would that be if you brought a guy like Derek Rose back and he wasn't able to play and he couldn't be healthy? It just it, it becomes the dominating storyline I think guys like Zach Levine lose focus. A young talent like Lowry Marketing gets a little bit frustrated, and then maybe you're pushing back the momentum that you had as you ended last season. So there's a part of me that would love to see him come back. There's also a part of me that wonders how much you're paying a guy like Derrick Rose to come along, and are you getting the ROI when it comes to a guy like Rose? It's another dicey situation. What is incredibly fascinating about all this, Mark, is as you look at the Bulls, and this offseason as it pertains to the draft of free agency, there are so many different ways for them to go. And it gives everybody a chance to be a critic because there is no absolute finite option that appeases everybody. Yeah, there's like 200 guys that are in free agency. It's a huge class <laughs> this year. Some restricted, some otherwise. I mean, you're going to hear all kinds of names once the we hit midnight on July 1st. And it's going to be crazy to see how this free agent chase is going to unfold. And, and for Bulls fans who love the Derrick Rose, Tom Thibodeau era teams, let me just tell you, it's much more likely that Taj Gibson returns than it is that Derrick Rose comes back. So think Absolutely, about that. Absolutely, which would be a great thing. That's a great veteran voice to add. He's still got good basketball left in it. All right, last thing before I let you go. Who, does either team in the East, depending who wins that series, have a chance against the Golden State Warriors in the finals? See, I think they do because Golden State had a, magn had a magnificent series, obviously sweeping Portland. Uh, Steph Curry was otherworldly to the point where it didn't sound crazy when Andre Iguodala said he's the second-best player ever. He was that good. Recency bias plays a role. I get it. They're going to have nine days off. They're going to be a little bit rusty in game one, and you just never know how a series plays out. Matchup-wise, I think what you're seeing the Raptors be able to do against Giannis to slow him down a little bit, if the Bucks prevail, I don't know if the Warriors can attack it the same way. And if Giannis can be the star who puts up those incredible numbers, and a supporting cast, and their bench finally travels again, that could be the most intriguing series. I think the Bucks getting past the Raptors makes for the most interesting NBA Finals and most competitive. I, I could easily see if the Raptors are able to pull this thing off, steal one on the road, and get past the Bucks. I could easily see the Raptors get past. I do not think that would be a similar outcome if the Bucks got there. I have the Bucks winning the NBA Finals. I felt a lot more confident with my chest puffed out about a week ago. <laughs> Things can change, and they can change quickly. It's all about matchups, and I'm not ready to crowd goal to see. Everybody feels great about what they get against Portland. Keep in mind, Milwaukee and Portland. That would be a much more competitive series, I believe. Yeah, there was a report uh, on Thursday that Kevin Durant may not be ready for Game 1 of the Finals, so we'll be following that over the next week. Of course, Kawhi Leonard has been kind of hobbled a little bit. 
Kyle Lowry has the thumb injury, so as you said, maybe a healthier Milwaukee team has a better shot. Jordan, we're going to let you go. I know you have a million things to do as you get ready for your wedding day coming up. We wish you all the best, and we look forward to that uh, big announcement about your career coming up in the near future. Hey, Mark, I really appreciate talking ball with you. It's always a good day, brother. That is Jordan Cornett doing great work for ESPN, analyzing college basketball. He's also going to be doing some analysis for Chicago Sky Games this year on WCIU, and we look forward to what's coming up with him in, in regard to his career announcements. So thanks again. This is the Bulls Talk podcast presented by Coors Light. Remember, you can find all of our shows at NBCSportsChicago.com slash podcast. So long, everybody. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.